They say that the best camera is the one you've already got in your hand. And when you're running as fast as Boulder Runner Todd Straka, you use every advantage to stay in the moment and the beauty of Colorado's front range as you capture it all through your cell phone's lens. Join Todd and I as we kick around Confluence Park in downtown Denver to talk about the upcoming Athlinks podcast launch, the Boulder Boulder, which Todd now calls home, and how he has managed some ridiculous times after 50. So if you're ready, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. Hey everybody, it's Troy Busso coming to you from Confluence Park in downtown Denver. It's just a few days before Halloween and the year that will not be named. We are kicking off a new uh, video series here on Athlinks where we're going to be sitting down talking to some of the millions of endurance athletes who would frankly normally be crossing finish lines this time of year but have been otherwise put up on the shelf. So today we are here with the Boulder runner, Todd Straka. And we're going to be just time to talking a little bit about uh, how Todd got into the industry. You work in the industry with Boulder Boulder, amongst yeah. other companies in the past, like Matt My Fitness. Uh, you are a very fast guy after 50. So I, I know I was just looking at your athlete's profile, saw 430 miles somewhere tucked in there. Yeah. Uh, as well as just kind of how you've been staying fit and fast and healthy during the coronavirus days. So, Todd, welcome. Thank to, you. Uh, Thanks for having welcome me. to the show. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to it. So you work for um, Boulder Boulder now, one of the most iconic races, frankly, in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's about a, what, a 60,000 person, 10K. Is it Memorial or Labor Day? Memorial Mo- Day. Memorial Day yeah. uh, through the, the, the mean streets of Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. How long have you worked for them? Uh, I just started in January, actually. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect great timing. timing. <laughs> <laughs> perfect timing. Although, uh, you know, I've, I've been sort of working with them over the last few years, uh, kind of in an unofficial capacity. Yeah. I've been on the floor the last couple of years uh, and uh, updating live tweeting uh, okay. and feeding data to Frank Shorter and his team as they're doing commentary online. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of been part of this team and I, I kind of joke with them. I've been uh, like interning with them for like 10 years to get yeah. this job so yeah a lot um, of those big races are such machines it's like the everybody in the town has one way shape or form some connection to the race absolutely yeah absolutely i mean even though we've got fifty thousand people that are running the race there's so many volunteers that are there you've got key volunteers that are you know in important positions and some of those they've been doing it the whole time you yeah. know they've been doing it for the entire 40 years that we've been doing it so that's crazy it's such a great yeah. race i mean it's a uh, from that whole weekend, you go down to Pearl Street and you see the whole vibe, you know, shaping up. I mean, Pearl Street's all always kind of a melee in that part of the year. And, you know, things are getting warm and stuff. And, and then you throw Boulder Boulder in there. It's just such a such a cool, epic race. It's it's an amazing weekend. Like it's always been ever since I've moved to Boulder. It's been such a big part of my life. So yeah. such a cool uh, opportunity to be a part of it all now. Yeah. So you mentioned January. You, you show up. Um, Things still looked good until kind of going into March, but but what has life been like working for one of the world's biggest races with uh, with coronavirus? What have you guys been doing to keep yourselves 
busy or, you know, how have you guys adapted and worked with the... Yeah. So, I mean, our organization is actually pretty small. It's a, it's a family run business and uh, they just have an amazing ability to basically scale up when they need to. Uh, so when I started in January, we were just, we were still about, um, I think seven or eight people in the office. Yeah. And, um, you know, that grows obviously to hundreds of people by the time that we get into May. And so January was still pretty young. February, we're starting to get some senses of some things that were maybe coming from overseas. Yeah. And then by March, you know, um, with a race that's our size, you really have to start thinking about things in, in advance and, and you need time to plan that. So you can't just wait until um, April yeah. to, to, to run a May race. You kind of have to, to make some decisions. And in March, we decided that, you know, maybe we should postpone this to Labor Day yeah. uh, and, and see if we can run on Labor Day. And unfortunately, Labor Day came around right. and still weren't able to run. So, yeah, I remember um, that, that first 30 days, it seemed like a lot of races were like, well, you know, let's just postpone for 30 or 60 days. It certainly right. seemed like like it was just going to be kind of a, a, a quick little blip. It, it was certainly hard to guess. I mean, it, you know, everybody had opinions kind of one way or another. I don't think yeah. anybody expected it to kind of go this long. Sure. Um, and if they were, nobody was really saying it. But right. I think, you know, everybody in the event industry in particular, like we're all very positive and we're all optimistic. And yeah. so, of course, like that's what we want to do is to put on races. And so that's going to be the first thing we want to do as opposed to pushing it off and and waiting for another year. Yeah. Yeah. So a race like Boulder Boulder, it, how much how, from a marketing standpoint, how much of it is like crowd control, meaning you're going to fill up every year, I would assume, versus like you're actively trying to, you know, get new business, new new runners to the race? Um, you know, actually, we've never had to worry about selling out. Uh, we've kind of known that there's been some big capacities yeah. and then the bigger you are, the more crowd control, like you said, you have to have. Um, and we kind of, we have this wave start they were one of the first ones to start the wave start, uh, in the industry. And they're really good about knowing how many people need to be in each wave and, and how fast you need to be to be in each wave and so forth. So you can manage that throughout the day. And obviously we just don't have all day yeah. to be open. And so you still have to kind of compress that a little bit. Um, and then unique to that is they, they run the pro race at the end of it um, and so they want everybody they need everybody off the streets at the end of that so you kind of have to manage that crowd control too um, so we've never really had to worry about selling out so to speak yeah. um, it's kind of just always been like hey everybody come to our big party and, and uh, be a part of this thing yeah. and uh, you know sometimes marketing plays a part of it and sometimes it's just the, the nature of uh, the town you yeah. know and and whatever else is going on you know people move to town they've never heard about it before they heard about it from a friend so they decide to join or you know people are injured and they can't make it that year and so you know it, it vacillates up and down yeah. just like any other event does yeah so for anybody who's been thinking about doing the boulder boulder give like a 30 second pitch i mean i know it's like a you basically six miles and you got bands you've got things that have been manufactured in other races, but are very kind of organic and, you know, give us like a 30 second sales pitch of why I'd want to come to Boulder and do this race. Yeah. I mean, besides being the, the third sort of largest race in the, in the U S um, the reason why it's one of the best is because of the, mostly because of the wave, uh, the wave assignments that they've got. And it's an honor to kind of, um, 
make sure that you're in that wave. Like the A wave is the top wave. It's the first one that goes off in the morning. So, you know, if you've got an A on your bib, like you definitely have bragging rights for that year, right? And people are, are gunning for whichever wave they can qualify in. Um, so you have that. And so even those 50,000 people, you've, you're really only racing like maybe a couple hundred that are right around you. And what's cool about it is because it is the largest race, especially in Colorado, is that you're always running with people and that energy is, you're always feeding off of that energy, yeah. right? It's not like if you go out, out and do a marathon or you go out and do another 10K and everybody's kind of spread out, sometimes you're running on your own and, and you want to run fast, but you don't have anybody to really gauge that energy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for <laughs> folks like myself, even though there's that race aspect of it, there's also this family aspect and this party aspect. It's sort of like, we kind of, I kind of joke about it being like a mullet. It's like the, there's a lot of business up front and then there's a party all the way through the rest of it. And so like, uh, you, like you said, there's bands, there's people handing out bacon, there's pugs that you can kiss. Um, there's slip and slides, there's trampolines, like there's just all sorts of stuff going on. And so, um, you know, even myself, like you'd run the race and then you'd go back and double up with your kids afterwards and run it again and then see it all from a completely different angle. Cause now there's that many more people on the yeah. course and, and it's just such a fun time and it goes right through the streets uh boulder and then you finish in the iconic Folsom Field uh, at CU and you run into the stadium where there's thousands of people that are cheering and it's it's like the Olympics it's it's unbelievable when you get in that stadium and, and yeah. the energy that's just inside that stadium certainly helps you overcome the uh the altitude but uh yeah it's uh yeah it is one of these like just iconic races when we moved up here five six years ago that was the that was the kind of like, ooh, okay, you know, Boulder Boulder's coming up here. So right. um, that's cool. Um, so you work for uh, Boulder Boulder now. You've worked for a few different companies in the industry. I know Matt My Fitness, yep. uh, who you actually used to be HQ'd right down the street here. Right. Um, how long were you with them? What was your time there? Uh, I think it was probably, I, I should look, but probably yeah. like five years or so. Pre-Under Armour days? Pre-Under Armour, right before yeah. Under Armour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we chatted about, you know, reading the industry and, and reading the landscape a little bit. Yeah. And, and I knew that was probably coming, yeah. uh, but I, I wasn't um, strong enough to sit in there long enough to, to yeah. figure out to, to see the windfall of that. It but happens. that was that was pretty awesome it the, what they did and what they built. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it was cool to be part of that. I mean, the you know, I think, you know, not to not to, to play favorites or anything. Strava, I think, has taken the lead in that in that space, obviously. But right. but with the the map, my fitness, you know, the first mover, what they did for the industry in terms of you know just um, you know kind of dreaming up a new way to train and exercise and things like that yeah. was really fantastic. I was and I was in kind of like on some of those early days, and that was what was phenomenal about it. I mean, again, everything that I was super excited about, I was. I had a website at the time and it was all about running and I even had a mapping platform on there, but yeah. I didn't have a way to save right. the runs there. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, and we were building the app when I first started as well. And you just to kind of be on the ground level yeah. of all that and just innovating yeah. and, and coming up with cool stuff and, and inspiring athletes all around to yeah. just get out there and, and be active. Well, you speaking of innovating and you've always, you've certainly got an artistic side. I mean, if, for those of you who are listening or, or watching is uh, Boulder Runner, at Boulder Runner on Instagram. I think that's how 
like I think I knew you from that before I met you, even at Running USA. Like the the photos you had the Boulder Running Journal, yep, which was a collection of these like 365 kind of photos, and and each day you had this running log, which is a brilliant format. I love that. Like every every kind of iconic running city should have this product. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but Boulder Runner, like the, I think like do you is all is all of that cell phone photography or how often are, are those photos taken with like real glass? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'll I'll even go back a little bit further. So like when Twitter first started, um, everybody was kind of trying to figure out what it was and what yeah. we're doing with it. And um, I was at another company before Matt My Fitness um, that was doing financial information, and we were actually looking at Twitter as a way to aggregate. Um, sentiment on the market and so forth. And so we're kind of just all playing around with it. And um, so luckily I kind of came onto that moniker like early on. And um, I don't really like to be kind of out in front and, you know, in front of the camera, so to speak. And so hiding behind a Boulder Runner moniker seemed yeah. a, a little bit nicer for me. Yeah. Like, um, so that kind of translated into, into Instagram, uh, obviously. And then, yeah, that was all cell phone photography yeah. at, at the time. Cause as much as I like taking the time to kind of frame up a shot and so, and so forth, it's, it's about being in the moment. And I, I want to go out with my phone and run and I yeah. want to, I want to see what I see and then go, Oh, I love that shot. Like yeah. I'm going to take a picture of it and, and remember that later on. Yeah. And so that's what it was all about for me. And I've very rarely posted a shot that's been like me taking out my, right. my nice Sony a seven yeah. and going out and shooting something and putting it up there. I've done that a little bit here and there because I just love the shot so much. But yeah. um, I try to keep it a little bit more pure of like, this is what I'm seeing when I'm running that day. Oh, I, can't, I can't believe I'm, you and I had like a photo duel before I moved up here and you posted this like amazing meadow, <laughs> these beautiful flowers. And I, I was living in <laughs> Phoenix where I grew up and I sent you a picture of like the cracked mud, like the sun cracked mud <laughs> yeah. of like the contrast of Boulder versus Phoenix. Right? I, I love that. I was I was telling everybody about that conversation all the time. I'm like, I'm Punk and Troy right now because I've got this like, it was springtime and I remember that run specifically. Uh, it was springtime and we had done this Flagstaff run because we we're, I was at the time I was working at Finish Line and we we're right yeah. downtown and Chautauqua was a mile away. So we're like, yeah, let's go run Chautauqua and, and Flagstaff Mountain because it's right there. Yeah. So we were coming down and yeah, you could see the Chautauqua meadow right below us and it was all green and we were having a phenomenal rain year that year, yeah. I think was the other thing. Yeah. So there was wildflowers that were going off and, and all sorts of greenery and everybody couldn't believe it. And I mean, this must have been, I don't know what, like seven years ago or, yeah. you know, time. <clears throat> Times is a slippery slope right now, but yeah. I, it's one of those times. And and you remember you posting that, and man, I just I I just laughed about it. Like every time we would tag each other in a photo, yeah. and, and oh yeah, this is my run. It's yeah. gravel and a couple little spindly cactus, yeah. and <laughs> even the cactus were thirsty. Then. <clears throat> yeah, that was a that was a stark contrast. So uh, so the you so beyond the photography side of things is I think. Um, we met at Running USA. Um, I was looking through your athlete's profile and stuff. You know, you meet people and you never know, like, who's... Endurance sports are weird like that. Like, you can... Sometimes you can kind of tell who's who and all that kind of stuff just sure. physically. But um, you are... You're what, 53 now? I'm 53, yeah, I just 53, 53 now. Yeah. And you're still clocking out, what, a 430 mile, I think I saw? Yeah, on a good day. Ish, you know? Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, well, get to you ran Publix. Actually, let's talk about Publix real quick. So you sure. you had the um, 
the luck, I guess, the honor of really running the last last big race in the U.S. this year. I think so, yeah. yeah. So it was uh, the following week. Um, the following week is really when everything got shut down. Yeah. So Public Storage Marathon, um, an Atlanta Track Club race. Uh, right. Uh, just Paula and Rich and those guys down there just do a phenomenal job putting on races. Absolutely. What was your, I mean, did you have big plans for the year? Did you have your, was your race calendar pretty full up or? I, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, starting off, uh, in, in late, um, 19, you put together your kind of race calendar, what you think you might do. And I even had kind of a two year plan of yeah. like, all right, I'm not going to, maybe I won't be able to run because kind of backing up I've, I've been really focused on the mile the last couple of years um so i i had done 5ks 10ks marathon stuff beforehand and then i just got kind of tired of training for a marathon bonking and then all my eggs are gone and yeah. it's just like oh my god now i have to rest for six weeks or whatever and and that just got really discouraging um so i was like i'm going to focus on the mile uh, there's other things that went into that but that was kind of the gist of it so i was focused on the mile but I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to do something different for 20, for 2020 and maybe even 2021. Um, that side being 2021 was 125th Boston. Mm. And I was like, I missed the hundredth year. I yeah. want to go to the 125th. <clears throat> and so that was kind of my, my two year plan. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, uh, I ran the Ventura marathon in about this time last year. Okay. And uh, I was running it with the running club that I run with and Revolution Running. I, I don't know if I can give a shout out to them of course, or not. Always, yeah. yes. So I'm coaching with Revolution Running and, and one of my runners and I were running together and we wanted to qualify for Boston. And so we had kind of our pacing that was going on and we were actually right on pace, um, which was awesome. Um, what was the goal? The goal was, so since we're 50, the goal was 325, I think. They okay. just changed their qualifying window. I think it was 330 and it went to 325. So I'm like, all right, I just need to run 325 or better. And knowing how the lottery works and it's gonna be the 125th anniversary, I'm, I'm like, eh, I probably need five minutes. A little bit of padding. A little padding there. So I, I was kind of aiming for 320, okay. 315, 320. He said the same thing. All right, I'm, I'm in for 320. Um, I. I got to kind of tell some of the backstory. So sorry if this goes a little, huh? little ahead. wonky. So I was mostly training for the mile that summer, right? That was my focus. And so, but I knew, I knew I needed to get this Boston qualifier in, in Ventura, uh, in October, or November, whenever it was, I think it's late October. And, uh, so I was like, well, shoot, I got to do some long training. Yeah. So I got in a 14 miler <laughs> and then I was like, well, I, I still want to stay focused on the mile because I had a mile the day before at that same race, yeah. so it was a two day race. So I ran the, the mile the day before, uh, and then I went and ran the marathon the next day. Okay. I didn't have any training underneath me. I had basic training, but you know, not enough to, to normally do it. So do you you I went- your mile time? Uh, yeah, I ran 4.30 that day. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, 4.29 on the clock, 4.30, 4.30 on the uh, timing pad. Cheaters. I know, it was a bummer. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I went back to the to the Galloway method. I had talked to I had met Jeff Galloway many years ago, and yeah. and when I was first started picking up marathoning, and and I was trying to break three hours for the marathon, and even back then he's like, you should you should walk for thirty seconds every mile, and that will give your legs enough recovery through the run that you'll be able to meet your goal even at three hours. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Like mm. all your runners are four hours, five hour runners. Like yeah. that makes sense for them. Like I'm a runner, like I don't stop to walk. Yeah. He's like, no, just try it. So I went to LA that year, did it. And I ran, I think I, I think I ran sub 
sub three, sub three. for the first time and doing so you, that. And so like I, a, so I did it, that. It, like how, how brisk is the walk? Uh, it's, it's not brisk. It's, it's, so you're just recovering. You're just recover. Just yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> there's a little bit of panic time in that. Yeah. You got to really be confident okay. that you can kind of come back up. Um, you know, because people are passing you, yeah. especially in the middle, like you start walking, like I, every mile I was like, all right, I'm walking. And then people are you like, come on, you got this. Mile? From the first mile. From it's, the first mile. Yeah, it's hard to do. Okay. So I think I usually give myself at least two miles <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> before I start doing it. Because I'm like, ah, I can't do the first mile. Okay. Um, so yeah, the second mile I start. And so at the mile marker, I would just hit and then um, walk for 30 seconds. Okay. You only lose maybe 15 seconds right. kind of in your pacing because you're yeah. moving still. Right. And then, then you go again. And so what was great about Ventura is that they had a pace group. And my friend went with that pace group, the next one up to 320, where we were with 325. And, and so basically I would walk and lose touch with them. And then I'd spend the next Catch mile up. catching right back up. Huh. So, and then I would just use them as this nice gauge and it's kind of this nice yo-yo effect. Oh, perfect. Um, and it, I mean, it works out great because it gives yourself some grace. Yeah. I mean, I used the restroom on one of my walk breaks and I, I tied my shoe on one of the walk breaks because I was starting to feel a hot spot. So I yeah. kind of retied and I didn't feel bad about stopping because I was yeah. like, all right, I know I've got some grace. We got through uh, 23, 22, 23. And my buddy's like, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. I'm like, and he was not walking? He was not walking. He was not so walking. he kept getting mad that I kept coming back up into the group, you know? He's like, oh my God. He's like, maybe Here comes Todd again. Uh, so he's, he's starting to fade a little bit. And I'm like, I know, but this is, this is the tough part of the marathon. Like, yeah. you got to hunker down right now. You can get through this. And we make it another mile. And then all of a sudden, he, he kind of looks at me with, I think, like maybe two miles to go. And he looks at me, he's like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, and he started kind of wobbling a oh, little yeah. bit. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're walking. And we got to mile, I think, we're, I think we were less than a mile away. And there was an aid station. I said, we can't stop here, we gotta go there. Um, this is a really long story, sorry. No, it's good. That's <laughs> why people tune in. <laughs> um, and I'm like, we gotta at least get to this aid station where we can yeah. get water. Cause he's, he's overheating basically. He's, uh, it wasn't really that hot, but he was having yeah. a hard time dealing with it. Um, being somewhat of a new newbie marathoner as well. Um, and so we got to the aid station, he just lays out. I was like, oh my God. And you know, um, we get him ice, we get him water, you know, we just making sure he's okay. He's like, I think I'm going to be okay. My blood pressure is really up. I know that it is. This happened to me before it happened to him in Boston okay. that April. And he's like, I know what I need to do. I just need to rest. I'm like, all right, well we're here. There's nobody for aid there really. It's just all the, about a mile of the finish at this point. I, yeah, three quarters. Like we're so close. So I stand by kind of waiting for him and, you know, cheer a bunch of our runners going by yeah. and whatever else. And, and, we, and I just hang out with them until the medics finally come and the medics have him on stuff for probably, I don't know, 40 minutes. And he, um, they're like, you need to go to the hospital. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to be good. And wow. they're like, no, seriously, like you need to go to the hospital. We're telling you. Yeah. We're telling you. Yeah. Like, cause he'd stand up and you would still be yeah. a little bit, uh, this isn't a liability call. This is just a, no, yeah. there's something wrong with you. Yeah. yeah. His blood pressure was way down 40 minutes later, hour kind of total. He's like, I think I can, I think I can walk in now. So we started a long, slow walk to the finish line and, and finish up. And wow. we we're about an hour 10 off of our pace. 
by the time we finished. You're but a, um, you're a good training it partner. That. It was worth that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'll, there was a bunch of people who were like, "Why do you just leave them and come back for them?" I'm like, ah, yes. there's other races. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I did Atlanta. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. So that puts you then in Atlanta. Yeah. So um, Publix. I knew. I just knew I needed to get a, a qualifying time. Yeah. Uh, and also, knowing that I wanted to run the mile in the summertime, I didn't want to have all of that marathoning kind of on my legs. Right. So yeah, Publix was a great opportunity. Uh, it was in February. It was the day after the Olympic trials. Uh, and I had gone out to LA four years before yeah. to shoot some photos for the Boulder Running Journal. And I wanted to do the same thing. I mean, to be a part of the Olympic yeah. trials in any capacity, yeah. just to, to watch it or to, to know people that are running it, it's yeah. phenomenal. It was I mean, a great race. Super emotional and yeah. um, lots of people to cheer for and you come away with, you know, yeah. hoarse voice and everything else yeah, for sure. uh, after it all. So yeah, Publix happened. Um, I was a little bit more trained up. I had a few more long runs on yeah. you know, more than 14 miles. Yeah. Uh, and well, actually- have a 25 and whatever half, 25 and a half mile run a few months before that you know, right so right um and i you know i, I actually didn't i think I, I walked a couple times in it but i don't yeah. think that was as much of my strategy yeah uh i just wanted to kind of keep on a little bit of a yeah. pace and i it felt like a, a good race and you know got it done and it occurs to me maybe i should use that technique in my mile race. yes i'll just walk every quarter mile walk every quarter mile yeah. for 30 seconds for 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way to break four. I think it might work for me. Yeah. Uh, never know. Never know. All right. So you're, as we said, 53 years old. You're still busting out 430. Somethings. God dang it. it just, it, it pisses me off. I got to be honest. It just pisses me off. Uh, but no, 430, 430 miles. Um, like, how do you do it? I mean, how, what's the, you know, there's all sorts of, um, you know, because I think you said before, like you weren't, were you a high school runner? I was not a high school you were runner. You not a high school runner. No. You were not a collegiate runner. No. You were not a, you know, this kind not. of came to you later. Yeah. I mean, I, in Is that college, part of it? Like, were you running later on fresh legs? I, or? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that helped with some of my um, distance experience. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was 45, 46, 47, I definitely had a, a, a plateau of okay. like, where I came up to a new level plateau type mm -hmm. thing. Like I was here and then had uh, a great coach and some great training and then boom, all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was looking back at, at the Hackling stuff, you yeah. know, cause I don't remember my times. I'm terrible about that. Right. I'm like, oh, I remember running that race, but I don't remember what I did. So I was looking through my results. I was like, whoosh, I, I ran that? Yeah. For all right. Yeah. I guess I was in good shape then. Yeah. Um, and, and then, I don't know, you get injured, right? I mean, everybody kind of gets injured and you're managing yeah. that. It felt like every other year was yeah. was that kind of race where it was like, all right, I had a good year and then the next year sucks because you get injured right. or whatever. Um, and so as I got closer to, to 50, um, I had run a mile in Santa Barbara and I ran a decent time um, and that was off of kind of 10K training. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that... That felt really good. And I had that year I had heard about this guy, Brad Barton. I always drop his name because he's really the one that kind of got me interested in this. He was 49, I think, maybe 48. And he ran like 417, like wow. ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, 
and I had run 427 at this downhill mile yeah. on the road. And I'm like, well, I'm only 10 seconds away. Right. Like, how hard is that? How hard could it be? <laughs> how hard could that be? Uh, super naive. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, and that was just off of 10K training. So he inspired me to be like, let's just focus on the, on the mile. Yeah. Uh, and, and not worry about those, those marathons and, and putting all that just kind of heavy yeah. training on your legs. And so for a couple of years, I, I basically just kind of wrote my own training programs and just was like, all right, um, what are, so what are some of the greats doing for mile training? And yeah. I would ask people that went to see you or folks that I knew were milers. Um, they were older at this point and just be like, all right, what, what are good workouts? What are your favorite workouts? And I actually kind of had an idea for a book that I still may do, but yeah. it was like putting these workouts together with photos of just kind of mile markers and yeah. streets and all, you know, all sort of tracks and all that kind of stuff that yeah. I had run on that year. And, uh, knowing that I was going to kind of get to, uh, to a place as a master that I was running the mile yeah. and, um, and actually had a pretty good success, like even in the, like at 49 and then I was like, all right, next year is 50. That's so, the mark. So what oh. were the, like, what were the workouts looking like? Were you doing a ton of speed work? So do you um, think, what, what were the workouts? And then also, were you looking at this as like a crawl, walk, run strategy of like, I'm going to do the mile to get better later at the. Marathon, or no. were you just kind of like I, was, I just I like hundred percent mile. You just like the wind going. going through your hair, and yeah. you just wanted to burn it. Yeah, I mean, like when you're, I mean, again, I didn't run in high school. I didn't. Yeah. I ran in college, and so knowing that feeling of the mile, like I had run a couple of miles. There's the the Pearl Street Mile sure. in Boulder, which is which is famous, and that was one of the ones that I had run. I hadn't run that many mile races, maybe a couple on the track, mm -hmm. but. The, the fact that you're going that fast with that many people yeah. on the Pearl Street Mile, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Like it's crazy energy. And I'm like, that is so fun. And I that's what I wanted to do. And so mm -hmm. I was like, I'm nothing else matters. Yeah. I want to train for the mile. And again, I was like naive, like, well, 10 seconds, I could shave 10 seconds off yeah. just by being specific. So I was much more specific about mile training versus 10K, 5K type of training. Okay. What I learned from that is you can approach the mile from two different aspects specifically. So you can approach it from a speed standpoint. If I'm an 800 meter runner, I can come up to the mile relatively easy and have a lot of speed and a, and a huge kick. Or you can train like a strength runner, like a 5K, 10K runner okay. and come down pretty easy and just be able to maintain a pace. You might not have a kick, yep. but you can maintain a pace. So to throw out some names, um, one of the guys that I talked to during that time was Alan Culpepper. Yeah. Uh, Alan ran for CU. He was, um, I, can't, I don't remember his time. I apologize, Alan and the fans <laughs> of the sport, but we'll look he it ran, up on Netflix. We'll overlay. He ran we'll, um, we'll at the Olympic there. trials marathon. He, he ran the fastest, um, like first time marathoner time, right? Okay. He tied Alberto Salazar for, it was two and nine something or whatever else the time was. Um, He's, so he's one of the only people that have run a, a sub 210 marathon yep. and a sub four mile. Wow. So he, it was what, him and Alan and Goucher out of um, CU had both run sub four miles. Wow. So I said, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Might know a Chatt thing or two. Yeah, I chatted with him about a couple of things. Uh, at, the end of, at the end of the season, he kind of helped put together a, a plan for me as well. Um, but yeah, it means, you know, some of it's very specific. Like I didn't have a kick. Um, in the traditional sense, like yeah. I just didn't have that leg speed. And so, you know, guys that I might have been racing against may have had a 27, 26 second, 200 meter 
um, finishing kick or, or even a 28 second finishing kick, I couldn't break 30. Yeah. You know, so I had to run like Alan did, which was more of a strength perspective from a 5K strength perspective, which is put on the gas and just keep going and just keep rolling and try to run everybody out of their league a little bit yeah. uh, in the beginning. And then they don't have to, they can't yeah. outkick you. Um, and so that's, that. and at altitude, you kind of have to do that too. And so, so you looked at kind of what your, what your abilities or skill was and determined it was more from the strength rate running right. down rather than the. Right. And so, I mean, you, you definitely work on leg speed, sure. um, but you definitely don't go from a 30 second 200 to a yeah. 26 super fast. I mean, you got to work yeah. on a lot of stuff during that. So time. when you're, when you're training to run a mile, like what's your, what's your long run day? What's your. So, uh, I mean, different coaches have different, um, I've worked with a couple different people since then and, um, they all have slightly different attitudes towards it again, whether or not you're coming from strength yeah. or speed. Um, when I turned 49 and I knew I was going to be, you know, knew I was going to be 50. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. It happens. It happens. It it's happens. coming up. Numbers, um, numbers work. Yeah. Yeah. That was one time I, I was able to see the future. <laughs> <laughs> real nostradamus there yeah so i was like all right i need i need to do something about my leg speed yeah um because i was in a race where i got out kicked and i was like that, i can't get that, that can't happen again. again so i worked with a, a, a local coach and it was all about much more dynamic drills and these are these are kind of basics and i'm not trying to diminish the training but it's just stuff that you don't pay attention to yeah. so he he put me on a program of doing a winter maintenance program and you know we're doing kettlebell throws and we're doing um, stretches and we're doing lunges and um, squats and and you know much more dynamic movements in that regard yeah. that's building the foundation for sprinting uh, much more of a sprinting kind of background type thing. And then as we kind of got into the season, we definitely spent a lot more time on shorter stuff. So 100s and 50s and 150s and, and stuff like that, where you're yeah. really getting your leg speed up and you're really getting your speed down. Uh, and so, and by the end of that, I, I ended up running a 25 something, wow. 200 meter in the middle of the summer, which was phenomenal. Um, if you had to pick one or the other, the winter strength program in those very specific drills versus not doing that and just doing like the sprinting side of it, which do you think was more helpful? You, you got to do, do both. Just need both. You have to do both. I mean, if you're going to do the sprinting stuff, you're going to get injured. Yeah. So there it is. I mean, that's the that's the recipe. So I do those things and I'm going to run a 430. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that was it. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. All right. Make sure will, you take uh, care of yourself. Otherwise, my, my mile PR is was uh, five fifty five. It was right before we moved up here and I was thrilled to do it. And I felt like I was actually pretty fit. And I, I don't know what happened. Like I my kids just went through cross country season. I was doing a bunch of their workouts and things. And I, I feel like I can get fit, but I'm just not getting that fast like I like I did. So, yeah, well, you gotta, the that's the specifics. Yeah. I think you know, that's when you start doing the 200s yeah. and the 400s right. and working with a coach feeling feeling the pace that's what you yeah. gotta do yeah yeah oh cool well todd has been it's been great it's been great catching been up fun. with you again super fun too too long yeah cool uh you know athletes we're all about more people racing more often having more fun in the process we hope you learned some things or at least uh, just had a had a nice relaxing covid time listening to a couple of people talking about running and racing and uh we'd love to talk more about racing so uh any any parting words of wisdom words. from the boulder runner i mean you know try to stay sane in these moments yeah. you know these 
it's hard not getting to do the things that we want to do. Yeah. Um, and it's hard finding motivation during these times just to kind of get out. And so find the things that motivate, you know, or, or take some time off if you need to. Uh, it never hurts to take a little bit of downtime, do a new sport. Uh, you know, we're coming up on winter, so go and do something that you don't normally do. And then have a fire in your belly when you come back next year. Amen, brother. And listen, if you're if you want these races that you know and love to come back, the best way to do that is to reach out, let them know you're still there for them. Ping them on their socials, uh, yeah. shoot them an email, give them a call, just say, "Hey, look, we're we're here when you're here. We're ready to come back." Um, follow Todd on your at Boulder Runner at on Boulder uh, Runner. on Twitter and on Instagram, etc. So definitely give him a follow. Um, Again, more people racing more often, having more fun in the process. So I'm Troy Bousseau. That's Todd Straka. Thanks for joining us. Happy racing. And uh, until next time, see you. And that is the show. Apologies for some background noise there. We were experimenting with some different formats with some uh, open air and video, which we will be uh, posting shortly. So hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission. Special thanks again to Todd Straka, the Boulder Runner. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We want to hear from you, so leave comments on our socials. We are at Athlinks across the board, or shoot us an email at podcast at Share with friends far and wide. Give us a review if you dig it. And until next time, happy racing, everybody.